Well, hello, friends. You're listening to the Capital City Christian Church Podcast. I'm Chris, the Communications Director at Cap City. And if this is your first time listening or you just want to say hi, you can email me at ctaylor at capitalcitychristian.org. We're in the middle of a short message series called Mind Blown, where we go over the small book of Habakkuk. Let's be honest, a lot of us haven't read Habakkuk much, or maybe even at all. But there's some truly great wisdom, challenging concepts, and brilliant hope within this book. Today, let's talk about the hope with some points of light in an otherwise very dark chapter. Here's our senior minister, Dr. Stephen Doc Pattison. Really, really glad that you guys are here. It's cool. Really glad that a whole lot of folks are connecting with us online. For those of you guys who are either around here in Frankfurt or around our state, around our country, we're just glad you're here with us and glad you're connecting. And I hope that uh, you will sense God's presence this morning. What a year, right? What a year. I found this meme. Time Traveler says, what year is it? I answer, 2020. Look at the face. Really? This year is going to rank right up there with one of the toughest for a whole lot of people. My son sent me this meme yesterday. I thought it was pretty good. If 2020 was a swing, how does that look? Does that look about right? In fact, there are a bunch, if you kind of dig around on the internet, I kind of do this a lot, I look around for some of the humor, and there are a bunch of these memes which are my plans versus 2020. You seen any of these memes? Here's a few of them that I found. This is Leonardo DiCaprio, my plans, and 2020 turns out to look more like Revenant, right? Or you've got Sigourney Weaver, right? My plans, kind of Ghostbusters, kind of a kick. 2020 is more like Aliens. My plans, if some of you guys have seen this one, Solieri, 2020, looks more like Mozart, who's just flat out crazy. I kind of like this one. It was themed on Jaws. No words, just my plans, swimming in the ocean, 2020, a great white. Now, this one here is just for you sports fans. A lot of you guys may not know this one. Are you ready? Here it is. My plans, a morning dove right? 2020 is a Randy Johnson fastball. And if you don't know what that means, look it up if you have, if you dare. Or how about this one? My plans, a nice leisurely voyage on the Titanic, the greatest ship ever built. 2020 is kind of like that iceberg, right? We're not even halfway done yet. It's hard for us to imagine that just four months ago, this country was being torn apart by an impeachment four months ago, dominated the news cycles. And as a country, we were growing more and more polarized. Remember that? By the end of February, it was the coronavirus, COVID-19, spreading through the Seattle area, was spreading into the West Coast, and in anticipation, the stock market plunged. On March 11, the World Health Organization declared it to be a pandemic. And by mid-March, there were cases in every one of the 50 states. Things started shutting down. March Madness, Major League Baseball, NASCAR, Kentucky Derby. Schools started shutting down. Governments started closing the borders, quarantining travel, masks. The polarization intensified. And it felt to a lot of people like the panic was being stoked by the press and politicized by the parties. Weeks kept rolling on, and we kept digging into a deeper and deeper economic hole. 
Non-essential businesses were closed. Non-essential businesses like church. We understood. We understood the fear. We tried shifting online. Some people started working from home. Others were essentially laid off. A lot of others lost their jobs. Some did all right. Stimulus checks, unemployment checks kicking in. For others, it's been hard. And guys, I don't think we've begun to feel the economic impact of this thing yet. And then it was almost humorous. In May, murder hornets took over for a day or two, right? Remember those guys? After the COVID-19, this seemed like an awful wussy scare. In fact, my son sent me this meme. It goes like this. Did we skip the murder hornets? Feels like we skipped the murder hornets. Don't worry. They're going to be back, right? Let other things simmer down. And then on May the 25th, George Floyd was apprehended by police in Minneapolis. They suspected he had passed a counterfeit bill. Three of the officers held him down, one of them pressing his knee into Floyd's neck. A fourth prevented onlookers from intervening. George Floyd died. Two autopsies were done. One of them said he died as a result of cardiac arrest, arrest during the neck compression. A second autopsy called it mechanical asphyxia, which means the neck compression. That was two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. An outrageous death followed by an avalanche of emotion and anger. Demonstrations spreading across our country, still building, even here in Frankfurt. Some of the demonstrations actually devolved into some of the worst of human behavior, violence, looting, arson, which only drown out the legitimate concerns of many. Police officers have been targeted, some killed. Guys, the vast majority of our police officers are honorable and courageous men and women. A good cop will tell you that no one hates a bad cop more than a good cop. But now the headlines are dominated by racial unrest. And I hope that every God-honoring man, every God-honoring woman would agree that racial inequities are grievously wrong and any brutality driven by racist sin. Feels like the intensity of the demonstrations has been supercharged, I think, by the increasing polarization of our country, by the increasing pressures from the quarantine, economic stresses, fear, too often stoked by our news cycles. And if your eyes actually last long enough to drift to the bottom of the news page, if you dare to turn to page two anymore, you'll read about increasing international tensions. Increasing tensions with China, Russia. On top of that all, we're heading to an election. Polarized even further. So many are embarrassed by the state of our political parties and so by so many of our political leaders. And Satan laughs. You believe that? Satan laughs. Do you believe in a literal Satan, a spiritual creature who hates God and who hates you? I do. I think he's having a raucous time. In part because where's the church in all this? Well, to some degree, we've been crippled and hobbled. We've been handcuffed and gagged. We were asked to shut down in-person services in March, and we understand. We do. It's hard. We had a boatload of momentum here at Capital City, strongest opening to a year ever. Ever. 
we went online, it's not the same. Now we're trying to restart. It's going to take a long time, I fear, a long time to regain that momentum. We have to get it done. We have to get it done. Do you know why? Listen. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. He said, you are the light of the world. And right now our world needs that light. Our world needs Jesus. Our world needs a church hitting on all cylinders. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. It is on us to show the world a different path. In Jesus, there is no Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. In Jesus, there's no black nor white nor Hispanic or any other wall of race. In Christ, there is peace with God, without which there can really be no lasting peace between men. In Christ, there's no fear, no matter how daunting the virus. In Christ, we recognize there are things infinitely more important than the trivialities that our world obsesses over. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world, so we have a job to do. We have Jesus to share. Now, I've forgotten most of what I heard 40 years ago in seminary, a long time ago. For some reason, I've never forgotten a chapel sermon by a guy named Burton Thurston. He was a pastor, professor, expert on the Middle East. He had actually taught theology in Lebanon for a while. And he was talking about something he knew a lot about. He was talking about the peace talks between the Israelis and the Palestinians way back then. And here's what he told us. He said, guys, as long as they hate each other, as long as there's hate, as long as you don't break the cycle of hate, peace process can't work. You can sign a treaty, and the treaty will quell the violence for a time, but as long as there's hate, it's going to get back. How do you break the cycle of hate? You're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. As long as people pursue anything other than God first, whatever they build is going to crumble. So we have a job to do, the most important job in the world, and not just in this room, but in our homes, Neighborhoods, schools, workplaces. God has given us the most important job in the world. Guys, I am proud to be an American. I know that's odd to some. I know we have terrible flaws. Every person has terrible flaws. Every nation does. I love the dream of America. I'm grateful for the privileges and the freedoms and the rights that too often we take for granted. I don't think we would take so many for granted if we lived in some other places in our world. I'm grateful for our forefathers who dreamed great dreams and bled to make them reality. I'm grateful for the generations who've come before us and have built so much that is good and so much that is bad. Great personal cost. I have always been a patriot. Second. A Christian first. A Jesus follower first. And the church knows no national boundaries. But just as our physical bodies are prone to fail over time, and just as businesses fade over time, so do nations and empires. Now, maybe 2020 is just a bump in the road. Maybe. Maybe not. Because there seems to be a cycle that repeats itself, guys. A nation is built on a great idea. There's energy, purpose, confidence, and pride. And at some point, something changes. Pride morphs into arrogance. 
the energy that was built on, spent on building something bigger than ourselves gets redirected towards the self, arrogance, greed. So often this devolution is reflected in a moral decline, a moral decay. A whole lot of empires fall, guys, not because they're defeated from without, but because they rot from within. Some of you guys might be sitting there thinking, my goodness, this guy's dismal this morning. Sermon ever going to be more positive? Well, it will. And some of you guys might be wondering, I thought we were in the middle of a study on Habakkuk, right? Well, we are. In fact, I have been talking about Habakkuk chapter 2. Because what was happening back then has a whole lot in common with what you see looking around today. See, Habakkuk was a patriotic prophet. Loved his God, he loved his country. And he was disgusted with the direction that his country was headed in. There's supposed to be a theocracy. You're supposed to be a nation following God's laws led by godly men. Too often their leaders were not godly men. The nation was not following God's laws. He looked around and what he saw is violence, evil, misery, destruction, injustice. So he starts praying to God. God, come on. We need help here. God says to Habakkuk, I know, I got it. I got it. In fact, I'm going to bring the Babylonians down from the north and I'm going to beat Israel to a pulp. Habakkuk is like, are you serious, God? I mean, your plan is to wipe us out? In fact, you're going to use people who are even worse than we are to correct us? That's your plan, God? God says, well, yeah, be patient. I am going to work things out. There is a plan unfolding that is going to blow your mind. In fact, we know that God's plan ended up at a cross and a resurrection. But here's what I want us to see, guys. Listen. God sees. God sees everything that's going on. He says everything that we're going through, he understands. He sees what people are doing to you, and he sees what you're doing to people. He sees the mistakes and the sins of the people that we rail against, and he sees ours, our mistakes and our sins. And even though he sees it all, he still loves us. Go figure. God wasn't blind to the evil of the Babylonians, and he was going to use them. He knew they were a terrible people, terrible leaders. And God is about to pronounce some woes on them. And guys, you do not want to be woed by God. See, no matter how evil someone is or how powerful they seem, someday every single person, every single one of us is going to come face to face with God, and there will be a reckoning. So, God actually tells Habakkuk what he sees. Habakkuk, this is what I see. And unfortunately, a lot of what he sees in Babylon mirrors some, I fear, of what he sees in us today. Opens up like this. God says, look at the proud. They trust in themselves, but their lives are crooked. Puffed up, full of themselves, self-centered, arrogant. Their self-confidence has morphed into arrogance. They think things like, I'm better than you because I'm stronger than you. 
Any of you guys watch ESPN series on Michael Jordan, Last Dance? Interesting. How we morph from an incredibly talented and a very likable young athlete to an incredibly talented and a far less likable older man from, I'm way better than you, to that kind of a disappointment. I mean, people started, I like Mike, and ended up, I don't like being around Mike. I hope our kids don't get twisted up into that thinking that winning is more important than character. It's not God's opinion. And you look around and it's almost, I know this is a little mean spirit, it's almost pick a politician, pride and arrogance. Way too often it's about what advances the party rather than what advances the common good. Way too often it's look at what I've done, what I've done for you, rather than what can I do to help. Or look around at the polarization that's tearing our nation apart right now. Look at the proud. Trust in themselves. Their lives are crooked. If you don't see things my way, there's something wrong with you. We villainize those who don't agree with us. That's arrogance. That's folly. God keeps going. He says wealth is treacherous. They're going to never at rest. They open their mouths as wide as the grave. This is an interesting metaphor. And like death, they are never satisfied. In their greed, they have gathered many nations and they have swallowed many peoples. And God sees it. God sees it all. This is God talking. And what he's saying is this. There's going to be a day when every debt is going to be settled, one way or the other. They have so much that they've become arrogant. We're better than you. We deserve everything we've got and we deserve more. It's about me and mine. It's about what I want, what I like, what makes me happy. Like death, they are never satisfied. Interesting metaphor. Years ago, this is kind of funny to me anyway, this lady called the church and they passed the call to me and she told me that she wanted to join Capital City. The mistake was passing it to me, all right? So I said to her, I'm sorry, sweetheart, but we're full, okay? I heard this gasp on the other end of the line, which was funny. And then when she realized I was teasing her, she laughed too. Death is kind of like that. And the church is never full. Death is never full. There's always room for more. And people get kind of like that, never content, never satisfied, always wanting more. Well, God does more than see. God starts woeing these guys these Babylonians. And like I said, you do not want to be woed by God. Being wooed by God is cool, right? Being woed by God is bad. God says, shame on you five times, five woes. And again, they hit pretty close to home. By the time you finish with this chapter, it doesn't sound like a very ancient book. Woe number one. Woe to him who piles up stolen goods and makes himself wealthy by extortion. How long is that going to go on? This isn't about stealing food to feed a family. This is about someone who is self-absorbed and greedy. I want what's mine and I want what's yours. This is about using people and abusing people to fill your own pile. This is about capitalism without moral bumpers. You ever seen it? Ever done it? And God pronounces judgment. This is what he says is going to happen. He says, will not your creditors suddenly arise? Will they not wake up and make you tremble? Then you'll become their prey because you'll have plundered many nations. The peoples who are left are going to plunder you. 
says, what goes around comes around. And at the end of all this, then you're going to have to face me, God says. Well, number two, woe to him who builds his house by unjust gain. And this is the key part, I think, setting his nest on high to escape the clutches of ruin. This is about trusting something or someone other than God. This is about people who are foolish enough to think that their money can keep them safe or their guns can keep them safe or their walls can keep them safe. They won't. In fact, a lot of people have watched their nest eggs melt before their eyes in the last few months. If that's where your hope is, you're a mess. Here's what God says is going to happen. He says, you've plotted the ruin of many peoples and you've shamed your house and you've forfeited your life. And back then, believe it or not, shaming your house was even worse than forfeiting your life. Well, number three. Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and establishes a town by injustice. We're hearing echoes of that one. Today, I fear, has not the Lord Almighty determined that the people's labor is only fuel for the fire, that the nations exhaust themselves for nothing? seem eerily contemporary. And speaking of eerily contemporary, wait till you skip to war number four. Here it is. Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbors. They pour it from the wineskin till they're drunk so that he can gaze on their naked bodies. Holy cow. Woe to those of us who look for ways to revel in our neighbor's nakedness. It's actually in the Bible. You guys thought that was a sin we refined. Listen, guys, a nation that has forgotten how to blush is in a dark place with God. People who have forgotten how to blush are in a very dark place with God. God says you'll be filled with shame instead of glory. Now it's your turn. You drink and let your nakedness be exposed. The cup from the Lord's right hand is coming around to you and disgrace will cover your glory. By the way, that's called technically retributive justice. Happens that way a lot in the scripture. One more woe, woe number five. This one is about idols, putting anything in God's place. He says, of what value is an idol carved by a craftsman or an image that teaches lies? For the one who makes it trusts in his own creation. That's the key phrase. The one who makes it trusts in his own creation. What are you going to trust other than God that's going to keep you safe? He makes idols that can't speak. What to him who says to the wood, come to life, or to the lifeless stone, wake up? Guys, every single person puts something first in your life, right? Every one of us, every one of you. It's either going to be God or it's going to be something else. And every one of us is going to be tempted to worship something other than God. A little God, little G God that we create. A God who will condone what we do God that we can control. We were made to worship God. Life only works when it's done God's way. What you ought to see in all of this, guys, is God sees. I mean, this is God speaking. He's telling about what he sees in Babylon. And sometimes when God looks at us, what he sees is dark and bleak and hopeless. But it's not. It's a dark chapter, this description of Babylon. This is a description of a nation that's full of itself and a nation that's crumbling, really troubled, maybe even like ours. 
In the middle of this dark, dark chapter, there are these three flashes of light that are incredible. Blazing flashes of light. They're amazing. These are lights that Babylon needed to see. These are lights that you need to see and you need to hang on to. You ready? First one is in verse 14. As the waters fill the sea, so the earth will be filled with the awareness of the glory of the Lord. You ever just sit at the ocean and just absolutely be dazzled by the water that's in it? Just the immensity of the thing. Holy cow. As the waters fill the sea, the earth is going to be filled. It doesn't say, listen, it doesn't say the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. You know why it doesn't say it like that? Because it's filled with the glory of the Lord now. The question is, do you see it? Someday, he says, it's going to be filled with an awareness. People are going to know the glory of the Lord. Bible says that repeatedly, right? It's here now. His fingerprints are all around us. We miss it because we get caught up in all of our own little hovels and problems and issues. We lose sight of his power and his wisdom and his holiness And what he's telling us is that someday, guys, the blinders are going to come off of every single one of us. We're going to see it clearly. Now, unfortunately, for a lot of folks, that's going to be too late. I mean, the Bible says it like this. The Apostle Paul says, someday, every single knee is going to bow and every single tongue is going to confess that Jesus is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every single person is going to see that. Our job is to help them see it before that day. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. Our job is to bring people to that recognition before it is too late. Our job is to point people towards the only real solution to the messes of our world. Guys, our world needs Jesus. They need the awareness of the glory of God that is all around us. As the waters fill the sea, the earth will be filled with an awareness of the glory of God. That is the first brilliant flash of light in this chapter. Here's the second, verse 20. This one's amazing. The Lord God, he's in his holy temple. The Lord God is in his holy temple right now. So, shh. God is here. God sees. God is smart. God is powerful. God is wise. He's got this. Shh. It's what he's telling us. I know, guys, it's a mess out there. Pride has morphed into arrogance, insatiable greed, bigotry, violence, moral decay. I know people are scared. Some people are panicked. I know people have been praying and wondering, where are you, God? And God says, I'm here. I mean it. That's what we're trying to do right here, right now. We're trying to bring all of this into perspective by the recognition that God is here and He's infinitely powerful, infinitely wise, infinitely good. He's got this. And someday every one of us is going to be like, holy cow, God. One more. One more flash of light. Here was the first. As the waters fill the sea, the earth will be filled with an awareness of the glory of God. Flash of light number two, the Lord is in his holy temple right now. He hasn't gone anywhere, so let all the earth be silent before him. Here's flash of light number three. It's all the way back in verse four. 
But the righteous, the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God, by their faith, if you would, by their trust in God. And guys, maybe our faith lived out in tough times is exactly the light they need to point them towards Jesus. It is our job to show them a different way to live. Our job to show them courage, real peace, the incredible dyad of truth and grace. They need to see in us love for God and love for each other. The righteous, the righteous will live by his trust. Now maybe some of you guys are sitting in here and up till now you've really never trusted God. You've always held something back. In fact, some of you, perhaps you've held everything back. Are you happy with the results? I can't imagine you are. Have you ever tried negotiating, dictating terms with God instead of just giving and trying it His way? Guys, what's not to trust? He's powerful. He's good. He's wise. He proved it all on the cross. The righteous will live by His trust, by His faith. Do you want to be righteous? I'm going to tell you guys, our part is the trust part, the faith part. The righteous part is his part. That's what he did for us in Christ. Do you want to be right with God? Do you want to experience the peace, and the strength, the courage that he wants us to have at a time like this? Do you want to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth? Guys, if you want to get right with God and you're not and you sense it, we need to talk. We really need to talk. You need to talk with God most, but we'd love to talk with you and help you. If you're online, just text me or give us a call, email, and we'll be glad to talk with you. If you're right here in the room, guys, right after this service, I'm going to be in the connections room. And I'd love to talk with you about making Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. You're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. And our world needs Jesus. Do you buy that?